Welcome to Customer Value Cast, a podcast dedicated to helping you acquire, retain, and expand more customers by putting measurable value at the heart of your customer lifecycle. Join our host, Ross Fulton, founder and CEO of ValueWise, as he dives deep into how reoccurring revenue businesses are maximizing their growth and valuations with the industry's leading experts and pioneers. Now, here's your host, Ross Fulton. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Customer Value Cast, the show dedicated to helping you maximize measurable value for your customers so that you can maximize the retention and expansion of customers in your business. Today, I'm joined by Nick Meta. Nick is the founder and CEO of Gainsight. Gainsight is a technology company that helps businesses build deep and lasting relationships with their customers through the Gainsight customer success platform. In this episode, Nick and I deep dive into how the domain of customer success has evolved over the past year and what we predict 2022 will bring next for this exploding industry. So without further ado, please enjoy my value-filled chat with Nick Meta. Nick, thanks for joining me today. Ross, it's so great to be here. Always love talking to you. Yes, I uh, always look forward to our conversations. Your role in uh, in my my growth in the customer success domain as well as just valuewise's journey so far has been instrumental and so um just i wanted to open up and thank you for all you do for our domain for our industry and uh and for uh, for valuewise and so excited to kind of have a chat with you today and really start to riff on the evolution of customer success which is uh, a big topic but i know you and i can uh, can tackle it sorry to continue the love fest but i gotta send the love back to you guys valuewise you guys have been an amazing partner not just to gainsight but most importantly to all of our clients and really appreciate all you're doing in the industry so excited to talk more about the details I appreciate it. I appreciate it. In light of the very, very unlikely situation that we have any listeners of the Customer Value Cast who have not heard of Nick Meta or aren't quite sure what Nick Meta does, maybe give us a quick overview of your journey so far and where your energy is directed today just to get us started. Well, I'm not quite sure what Nick Meta does, so maybe somebody else (laughs) will figure that out. Um, But uh, if you don't know who I am, congratulations, you've been able to stay away from my 10,000 LinkedIn posts. But uh, now you'll know. Um, so I'm the CEO of Gainsight. And at Gainsight, we're really passionate about this different way companies can approach business that obviously everyone knows is called customer success. And we think that's showing up not just as we'll talk about today, not just as a job, although the job is really important, but really a company-wide strategy. And you know, our company is all about evangelizing that concept of customer success and then pro- providing software solutions to help scale customer success across your whole company You know, for your CSM team, for your sales team, for your product team. Uh, recently, we've gotten very heavily into that area. So how do we drive the customer success process across the whole client journey, which is, I think, what we'll talk a little bit about today. Absolutely, absolutely. And uh, yeah, well, let's kick off with a, a bit of a retrospect before we start talking about what we're seeing as the potential, if not likely, future as we move into 2022. Safe to say, I, I summarize 2021 as being the year where the industry, the domain, the profession really started to get into the meat of the what and the how of customer success. And the kind of, I know we're both fans of Jeffrey Moore, the crossing of the chasm around the why of this really, I think, was nailed in 2020, catalyzed certainly by COVID, I think, in many aspects. 
And what I've seen in 2021 is really an appetite to get into the meat of the what and the how of customer success. And there's been some exciting evolution accordingly over the last year or so. How would you sort of summarize the, the past year and how this industry, the profession, the domain has evolved? Yeah, you, you said it so well, Ross. I mean, I think that, you know, we, we launched Gainsight in 2013 and back then people didn't know the why of customer success or even the what of like, what are you talking about, right? Do you mean customer support? And I think one of the things that happened in the early days of the industry was there was a little bit of that, you know, P or CS teams trying to justify their own existence. Like, why do I matter? People probably listening to the podcast have heard the term imposter syndrome. Like, do I really deserve a seat at the table? And, and I think what's happened unquestionably in the last couple of years is the CS teams have a seat at the table. And frankly, we've got to now deliver, right? Because people are giving us resources. So we've got to figure out the how. And I think one way to say it very concretely, um, you know, you you were very kind to work with us at our, the, an event we did, you know, about a month ago in, in Santa Barbara, California, called the Pulse CXO Summit, where we brought chief customer officers together from, you know, about 40, actually, I think about 50 of the world's largest tech companies. And, and we just, as you know, yesterday just did a kind of a reunion call from that event where we got everyone together and we asked them what the biggest takeaways of the event was. And the one that stuck with me was one attendee said, you know, I, I left that event feeling like there's just this badass energy in customer mm -hmm. and people have confidence and they have swagger. It's no longer trying to prove that you matter. It's now trying to deliver, right? So very similar to a sales leader, no sales leaders have to prove that they matter, but they have to prove that they deliver every day. And I feel like that's what's showing up for CS leaders right now. Yeah, no, I, I fully agree. As you know, Nick, I and sort of what is the blood flowing through value-wise is obsession with measurable value, being able to measure yeah. the value of something. And I feel like in the last year or so, the the understanding of how to measure the value of customer success as a strategy, as a profession, as an operational model in a company really accelerated and ultimately kind of culminated in the recognition of the unit economics of at least recurring revenue models yep. and these businesses really driving the adoption of customer success, culminating in this net dollar retention metric and all the sub unit economics that sit beneath that. And that net dollar retention, that is the economic why of customer success and creates that ability to have a tangible conversation around the value of investing in the domain, in the industry, in, in market leading technology like Gainsight and therefore gives the leaders the confidence and swagger to say, hey, this is why I'm here. I'm not here just to sort of do the right thing by customers, which is not unimportant, but it's I'm here to drive the company valuation and profitability by enabling net dollar retention. Do you think I'm getting ahead of myself in terms of that understanding and adoption of the economic basis of customer success being firmly established in the industry? Or do you still think there's some work to be done in that area? Yeah, the danger is, of course, both of us can get ahead of ourselves. We're both so passionate about it. <laughs> But I think that the, the truth is, yes, it's 100% right. Net dollar retention became this metric that it, you know investors care about. And I think at the end of the day, what ends up happening in business is CEOs have to focus to some extent, not only, but to some extent on what investors ask about, right? And then management teams have to focus on what CEOs care about, not totally, but somewhat, right? And so what happened is all these public companies were reporting net dollar retention, and then, you know, the analysts are asking about it and CEOs are getting asked about it and CEOs are asking their management teams about it. And they're realizing that although part of your net dollar retention is kind of endemic to who you are as a company, just the nature of your business, the way to optimize it ends up being looking at kind of end-to-end -end value and customer success and all the stuff that you and I are so passionate about. 
And so I think it gave the CS leader a more clear identity. I matter. There's a metric that I own that matters, right? And that's really, really clear. Sales, you know, owns bookings and, you know, eventually revenue, but CS owns net dollar retention, or at least should have some impact on net dollar retention. So I think it made the conversation with the CFO much more clear. Now, if you said, Nick, what's still not established? Well, we're now trying to prove, okay, how are the things that you're doing driving that dollar retention? How do you get more granular about if I gave you more dollars, where you they go, right? All the same things that you know, every business leader needs to plan for. But I think nobody has the question anymore that does customer success drive net dollar retention? Everyone knows it does. And does net dollar retention drive shareholder value? 100% it does. So yeah. that stuff is foundational. Now, should I give you one extra dollar and what will that one extra dollar do? Should I take my ratio of accounts down from 15 per CSM to 10? Should I let you invest in a CS operations team? Those are the nuances I think we're all still figuring out. Yep, yep. Do you think there's risk might not be the correct or appropriate word, but risk for customer success leaders who are at the end of the day in companies and certainly in, in enterprises that we specialize in as value-wise, they're leading a, a function as part of their role. Yeah. It's a functional leadership role. And they are increasingly, as you describe, hanging their hat on net dollar retention as being right. the metric, the metric that we're driving here. Yet the reality of an enterprise driving best-in-class net dollar retention is a multifunction totally. motion in that its product has to be very much in sync here. Sales if professional services, technical account management support, the renewals function aren't part of the CS function, right. then they all need to be orchestrated here. Yet the CS function leader is saying, no, 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 it's on me. And so yeah. they're potentially digging themselves a hole here, which might result in some sort of unmet expectations. Yeah, you nailed it. I mean, I think there's fine balance, right? Because on one hand, the leader needs to you know, define their ownership area and then actually advocate, they have to say like, I'm, I've got it, right? But they can't be on their own. Now, the good news is this is true for all performance-based leaders, right? So a sales leader cannot be successful without a good product to sell and marketing team and marketing leads, but they don't shy away from the accountability. The sales leader has been empowered to own the number, but also to help identify what they need to actually hit the number. So, you know, we, we actually just yesterday, Ross did our sales quarterly business review, which I'm sure you've done in companies, you know, the sales team members present what happened last quarter. We had a great quarter. Why did it happen? What do we need next quarter? Blah, blah, blah. And so everyone listens, right? Everyone listens. They're like, mm-hmm. okay, we're taking notes. What does sales need? What, what do they need for marketing? What do they need from product? And the same thing needs to happen for customer success. You own the number on net dollar retention and gross retention. And then here's what you need. And you need to have that same level of uh, confidence to own the number, understanding of the number to kind of articulate what's happening. And then actual like authority and, you know, and swagger to ask people for help, right? And so I think to me, that's really important. Now, this is actually, I think, one of the dangers for folks that are listening that have been in this role for a while. Uh, Because I think one of the things I've thought about is the industry is crossing the chasm in customer success, like you said, right? But that means the leaders and roles have to cross the chasm. And have you personally crossed the chasm? Are you able to articulate the financial impact of what you're doing? Are you able to speak at a level of a performance-oriented leader? Or as you said, Ross, are you just constantly filled with platitudes of how the customer is really important and we really need to take care of them? Those things are super important, but they're kind of obvious too, right? Like you need to actually articulate, this is what I did. This is the impact it had. And you know, you and I were that event where we we saw that great discussion about presenting to a board as a customer mm-hmm. success. Right? You remember that? And like how mm-hmm. everyone was so excited about 
How do you up your game on presenting to the board? So I would say to everyone listening, you've earned a seat at the table, but now you got to show up like that performance-driven executive, and then you'll get help from other people. Yeah, no, great points. And I think being that performance-driven executive, part of being able to be successful in that role is is being able to have data and insights to be able yeah. to report on, hey, this is the performance, the lagging, leading, why, why not? And that data subject, I think we can link to what I would see as a big, big output of the last year in terms of the evolution of customer success. And that's CS operations. Cool. And you've got a great event coming up in a couple of weeks, CS Unplugged, which Emily Ryan and my team is going to be contributing to and is very excited to be talking about this, I guess, again, it's subdomain, almost sub sort of profession that's just exploded in the last year, which is empowering then the, the, the CS leaders at maybe the top of the organization to become that performance-based leader. And obviously, yeah, Gainsight as a technology platform being instrumental and foundational to the emergence and ongoing success of the CS operations model. When it comes to CS operations, where do you see the line shifting for CS operations? Because I look at some of the enterprises we work at at ValueWise, and they're increasingly talking revenue operations and that including kind of the CS motion, but also the sales motion. And there's an emerging uh, domain around pre-sales operations specifically with companies like Viven and so on. Um, Do you see CS operations continuing to kind of blaze its own trail or do you see a, a consolidation happening? Yeah, good question. And let me give a little bit of background. Why, sure. I, to me, if you ask me what's the biggest trend in CS right now, it's operations for sure. Mm-hmm. And it's because it all ties together. You have now earned the seat at the table. You're being asked to drive performance, but also show the impact and also figure out what help you need from others. And it's ridiculous and irresponsible to do that without data and process. <laughs> and that's what operations does. So the CS leaders that are listening to this and don't have a good ops team, you got to fix that. It is a career jeopardizing move to not have a good operations team. I don't want to be, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not overstating it. You will not be successful if you don't have a team to help you understand the, not just the results. I'm sure all of you know your renewal rates and all that, but what's causing it, what the drivers are putting in the right processes in place to improve things, creating cross-functional steering committees with product. Who does all that, right? If that's your nights and weekends or spreadsheets on the side, you are in trouble. You need to fix that right away. Now, how you fix it, Ross, to your point, you know, we just, we're spending a lot of time on operations this year. We actually have a full-time person on our team who used to run CS Ops, who now has kind of become the community leader for CS operations. His name's Seth Wiley. He's running this big conference on customer success operations. We have like 1,500 people registered on December 2nd. Definitely check it out, called CS Ops Unplugged. And what we're seeing is that, you know, everyone is doing CS Ops, and there are two equal two valid models to do it. One is you have a you know, director VP of CS operations underneath your head of customer success. And that person's 100% focused on the CS world. And they may have all of post-sales operations underneath them. Maybe they have services, support, and customer success kind of all integrated together. The other model is you have a revenue operations function that has marketing, sales, customer success, all underneath maybe your COO or somebody else. There's two different models. Now, the models, I think, make sense a little bit more depending on your business model. If you have a very product-led growth model, it's a little harder to separate marketing, sales, and CS. And so frankly, in those companies, I see more of an integrated RevOps function. If you have more of a classic enterprise model, right, where they have a kind of long sales cycle and all that, I think those models, you tend to see CS ops being underneath the chief customer officer and being a little bit more separate. 
Either way, what's critical is you have dedicated resources for CS operations. What you can't have is there's a sales ops team and when they have like a few minutes extra, if I send them a bottle of whiskey, they'll like do a Salesforce update for me, but otherwise they're doing sales ops. And that's the, I think Ross, you've seen, that's the reality for a lot of mm-hmm. companies is they have almost no operations support. And so if you were doing your nights and weekends before the board meeting, trying to uh, kind of wrangle with Excel and barely getting anything together, you that's a sign that you don't have operations support. Yep, yep. No, I think, yeah. And I, th- I think there's, there's a, a clear tapestry emerging around the economic imperative of customer success, how that links into performance-based sort of leadership and measurement, how that therefore links into the need for far more advanced operational models to be able to produce the insights that allow us to assess the performance to therefore meet and uh, progress towards addressing the economic imperative. I think one other final dimension that I think worth just calling out, which would be just be bizarre if we didn't call out when we just, as we wrap up more of a retrospect here, is obviously the ongoing impact of COVID, the global pandemic, and how that has had just such a material impact on the the B2B and B2C, but B2B professional and uh, how they engage in in enterprises and that giving birth to kind of digital and digital adoption guidance, digital customer success. And again, not to say that that didn't exist over a year ago, but again, I'm seeing it become and per the insights and sharing happening at the CXO event in Santa Barbara and just yesterday, digital, 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 um, which I think makes is exciting and, and, and makes a ton of sense to me. Where we go back to the chasm analogy, do you think that, has truly crossed around the, the why piece and we're now the companies are ready to get yeah. meaningfully into what and how or is there still a bit of a there's some early stage adopters out there right now but uh, this year hasn't quite had digital fully cross the chasm yeah i, I think digital definitely crossed the why for sure and yeah. actually it's interesting because when you think about the why there's like i'd say probably three different whys that can conspire together and they're all related to each other one why is that B2B technology-oriented businesses are scaling like never before in the history of humanity. And what's happened is actually these businesses now, because of their own digital business model, are able to reach smaller customers. And so their volume of customers is much bigger. You know, before it was very hard to sell to smaller companies because you you have to have like a salesperson go Mm -hmm. meet them and then implement their software on their server. That doesn't make sense. That's why you didn't have that many like SMB-oriented businesses. Now you have all these vertical software companies that are like serving small, small to big companies right all the way across the board. Everyone's able to serve lots of customers. And so that's creating this incredible scale challenge. Okay. And that scale challenge is only accelerated because of COVID because all these businesses have accelerated. So they're adding thousands of customers a year and they're like, how do I even handle all these customers and how do I do that? Okay. So that's one big trend. Second big trend is in the product led growth world. And for folks that don't know, product led growth is this idea that the product itself should be the driver of, you know, everything from the sales process to customer success, you know, through like a free trial, freemium and so on. In that model, you know, the, what you're finding is because the customer is often buying in the product, it makes total sense to leverage that product and, you know, uh, post-sale as well. Um, the third thing is, I think, the consumer behavior change, because all of us as consumers in the last couple of years have like rapidly and radically increased our own digital experience consumption on Netflix and DoorDash and Uber Eats and Airbnb and whatever. And because of that, I think we are all just like, hey, why can't I just do this through an app and self-service? And right. And so we ourselves are like, we don't need a meeting. We don't need to go on site. We don't even need to necessarily do a, a Zoom call. Why can't you like let me walk through it myself? And then we chat. Right. And so I think those three things together, just the rapid scaling of businesses 
product-led growth, and then our own consumer expectations of how we interact with companies are changing everything and say, oh my God, digital is just like so important. Now you can't, this is all related. You can't do digital without ops, right? So that's clearly like, if you don't have data and process, you can't do digital. So you can, don't, don't pass go, mm-hmm. go back home and monopoly terminology, right? And so you've got to actually do it. But I think the thing that's happening on digital is people are trying to figure out the how. They're not, they're not totally, they haven't figured it out yet. They're sending some, maybe some email campaigns, they're, they're doing some stuff with their smaller customers. They're trying to figure out how to apply digital to all their customers. They're trying to do digital in their product as well, trying to leverage like online communities. There's all, all kinds of stuff, but it's cool because innovation is happening just big time in digital right now. You heard it at that event we did where these companies are presenting these incredible stories. One, one company was a publicly traded SaaS company, big company, and they told they mentioned that they grew their company over like you know three and a half, four years, 100% in, in, in revenue growth or probably 150%. And they literally added zero CSMs. This is like 500 CSMs. So they were big. And they basically mm-hmm. was like, and, and it was necessity is the mother of in, innovation, as they say, right? So they, their CFO said, we can't hire any CSMs. So they said, okay, we got to do a digital. And so I think that's one thing that's a reality check for many of you, which is, um, you know, at some point, the gravy tearing on hiring people runs out. You might be a venture back company. You might be 20 people. What's a big deal going to 40 people, going to 60 people, going to, but you can't have like 500 going to a thousand, right? First mm-hmm. of all, you find those people. That's one other point I make, by the way, I feel like you're probably seeing this too, Ross. The great resignation has an impact too, because mm-hmm. even if you have budget, are you really going to find those people? I think 0% of companies are ahead of their hiring plan right now between your hiring and attrition. You're not going to find the people. So you better find some other ways to do things without having to totally have people, you know? So I think that actually all of this stuff is like kind of conspiring together. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. I think the, yeah, the great, the great resignation is a real thing for sure. And um, I think it, uh, it is, it's it's going to be an interesting and let's start looking into the future and, and forecasting into the coming year. And I think the evolution of that persona of the CSM is going to be extreme. I think in 2022, and so I, I, we're already seeing kind of the emergence of titles like digital CSM as opposed yeah, to just yeah. CSM. You've obviously got the track around CS operations, um, but but just a recap. So we've got extremely solid, um, increasingly sort of advanced economic foundation, operational model merging lead CS leader that all coming out of the last year. So we now start looking forward and say, hey, well, maybe to those leaders that now have that economic imperative and accountability and us have got their party started around, yeah, they've got a CS ops function, yeah, they're kind of starting to do digital, uh, but they're planning for FY22 um, or calendar year 2022 and are looking to be on the cutting edge, yeah. what are we recommending to them to say, hey, watch for this or make sure that you're double downing in this area because this is about to become the cutting edge. Anything you'd call out initially? And if you were going to have that, obviously, I know you do have that conversation with with a, with a CCO yeah. or a CRO. And you and I have a conversation all the time. So yeah. I'd love to compare notes on it. Yeah. So I think one thing is digital is going to go. Now you've, you've been enabled. You've got the ops team and all that. Now you're ready to take digital as a strategy, not a segment. So what I mean by that is many companies have this like pyramid and, you know, we've, we've shown slides like that and you say high touch, low touch, mm-hmm. high touch or digital or whatever. And digital is a strategy, not a segment. So digital should be a way that you're actually finding what are the activities customers want to have a more online experience on. Might be certain types of customers, certain personas, but it's not just your small customers. There's certain things that you do with big customers that can totally be digital and that's happier for the customer too, by the way. 
And so the first thing is digital is a strategy, not a segment. You know, we have a head of digital underneath Kelly Capote, our CCO, and her name's Lane Holt. And she's not just looking at small customers. She has part of her remit is the smaller customers. Part of her remit is stakeholders that we can't really reach in a one-to-one fashion. For example, for us, uh, Ross, we have a lot of executives that use Gainsight. We can't get on calls with all those executives to train them on how to use Gainsight. We need to have a good digital journey on taking them through using Gainsight, right? So that's mm-hmm. a good example. So that's one thing. Digital is a strategy, not a segment. Second thing is digital is not just about email. So everyone started with email and we had Gainsight for great technology to email, but digital's got to include the product. Digital has to include the product and that can't be a separate initiative between product and customer success. They've got to come together. It's again, irresponsible not to do that. So digital's got to br- bring the product. The product is the most digital thing that you do. <laughs> it's <a> couple- <laughs> weird that that's not included in the digital strategy. So that's the second thing that I think is very, very much like uh, the frontier of customer success. Switching gears, the, the third thing, which you know ties into exactly your company's mission is, you know, we, you know, one way to think about all these things is you're driving customer through a journey, you're getting them to adopt, you're driving them to renewal. But another way is you're driving them to increasing value, which is actually what drives that renewal and that expansion, right? And I think that companies have been talking about this for years. You and I have talked about it for years. Mm-hmm. I think people are starting to get really serious about engineering it into their business process, particularly that pre-sales to post-sales and implementation process and building value framework. Um, you know, most companies, we, we're, we're doing a value framework. We'll probably talk more about VX uh, in a little bit, but we're doing a value framework at Gainsight that's very much modeled around kind of the concepts that Valueize is espousing or what, what you call the value experience framework, VX. And I think this idea that you need a value framework in your company, you need a way to consistently talk about value in an organized taxonomy from pre-sale to implementation to post-sale. And that's a cross-functional thing. That's not just a CS thing, but CS should probably take the lead on it because who else is going to do it, right? And creating that end-to-end value framework and then the business process to drive that. So if those are the three, if I had to give three, it's digital is a strategy, not a segment. Digital needs to include the product and build a value framework. Yep. Yeah, I think they're very, very powerful. If I add on a on a fourth, which um, you. you mentioned, yeah, value experience VX, which is our framework at ValueWise. We have a specific dis- seven disciplines within VX. One of them is specifically around data and data insights and analytics. And uh, um, in again, we talk in a B two B context. The adoption and essential i mean existence let alone actual sort of uh quality adoption of advanced analytics with the goal of leveraging advanced analytics to drive this customer life cycle to drive measurable value for customers to drive best in class net dollar retention for these b2b enterprises it's early very early and i mean the b2c industry is kind of looking back at b2b and like just thinking, what are you doing? I mean, we've been doing this for years. Yeah. Um, but B2B is coming. And I think, and Gainsight just announced some like pretty compelling uh, new sort of AI-based yeah. uh, insight capabilities in, in Horizons, uh, just as a leading indicator of this. But it, I spend a lot of time in sort of enterprise business intelligence worlds in the mid sort of 2000s. And there was a good old sort of analogy around where we've got to get basic kind of asking what just happened and why before we start to get to a place where we're predicting what might happen next and even prescribing what should happen next. Um, and I was, again, this was me in, in the retail world. I feel like customer success and B2B technology enterprises looking to to optimize their customer lifecycle, they're 
generally there around starting to get to, right, what do we need to be knowing today about what just happened? Yes. Now it's what's going to happen next? Well, how can we predict that? And indeed, how can we actually prescribe what should happen next in our customer journey with our customers and leveraging ML, machine learning and various other dimensions of advanced analytics accordingly. Is that something that you see and you think is going to be feasible to yeah. kind of break out in 2022? Or because I talked about the bit of the mess that customer data is in most enterprises at a very foundational level and how that ultimately needs to be improved before advanced analytics can really take hold in these B2B enterprises. Um, so with that comment, do you think it's feasible and real, realistic that it's going to break out in 2022? Or do you think there's still too much foundational work to be done before before that can happen? Yeah, I think it's, it's a kind of, I'd call it an emerging trend where there's many companies that have a lot of foundational work to do to get there. But I do think just to click into what you just talked about. So let's talk about what AI can do. And because I think it's funny, 2013, when we launched Gainsight, there are actually like some companies and other folks out there saying, let's do AI and customer success. And mm -hmm. honestly, we're like, I don't know if they're really ready for that yet. <laughs> and so one of the things that we focused on, I think that like in value has actually focused on too, is you actually first need to define a process and track the process. Because it's AI needs to work off some data set, right? And so part of it is knowing what you're actually doing right now and then analyzing that and using that to optimize what you do in the future. And so one of the things I think CS teams have done a good job of, and this is really the found, one foundation, is really organizing your playbooks. What, what are we doing? Who is doing what? Tracking it, being able to see, you know, which ones were completed. And, you know, obviously that's Gainsight software does that. Valueize helps in the process definition, but that is really foundational. You just can't do anything without that. Then you've got to marry that with your kind of outcomes data around renewals and adoption and stuff like that. And I think there, some of that outcomes data isn't very good yet for companies because bigger companies have this challenge around the renewal data being messy and multiple products. But I think most companies are getting better at adoption data because adoption data is a little more, a little easier, more malleable because if for, for cloud products, by the way, obviously it's harder if it's on premise. And then mm -hmm. companies also typically have some kind of satisfaction data, NPS and so on. And so I think one of the things that's very achievable next year for companies is if you're tracking the activities and then you've got some adoption or NPS data, you can absolutely understand. And we have a, a feature that we announced called Impact Analyzer. What activities are and what kind of attributes of customers are correlated with higher adoption, higher NPS, or eventually higher net retention? Even maybe that maybe you don't have the data on that yet. That is very achievable, very actually technically very achievable. And we're, you mm -hmm. know, we demoed some stuff around that. So to me, that's one. And that really helps that conversation you're having with the CFO. What's the impact that you're having? Well, let me show you. When we customers where we've actually done a high touch executive business review around value versus ones we haven't have actually subsequently adopted the product at a higher rate or improved NPS or improved renewal rate, right? How do you have that conversation and not just be a one-off data science exercise, but really be your regular quarterly planning process? To me, that's very achievable. A second thing that I think is achievable is then optimizing what are the leading indicators you're looking for? So, you know, in Gainsight, we have this thing, customer health score, and obviously, you know, Valueize has helped our customers a lot in configuring those. But there's some judgment that people have always had to put into uh, uh, saying, what should be in the health score? How do you weight the things together, right? What matters? Well, over time, AI should be able to help you automatically tweak your health score based on what things are actually driving renewals versus not. So the automation of sort of the health score algorithm. And then the third thing I think that's all tied to this is, okay, for a given customer, then what's their likelihood to renew or expand? We obviously have a health score. We've got judgment. 
but let's put some data science in that. We have already done that with in our renewal center. We have this thing called the renewal data science score that tells you, you know, what's likely to renew based on, you know, past uh, stuff. So I think there's a lot there. You know, the, the financial data sometimes is the long pull. But even if you're just saying, show me impact of activities to adoption, you know, to me, many people can be doing that next year. Yep. 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 That makes sense. And then just, I know we're going to wrap up in a minute or here, two here, but I think it's important to call out what, again, I'm increasingly seeing is as an emerging appetite in enterprises. And I think 2022 is going to be a, a year where this area gets really developed especially at an operational level is the ability to kind of collaborate with the customer yes. through the customer life cycle. Yes, it's happening today in terms of in-product engagement, but you take things like health scores. Most of the companies today are, hey, we're here for our QBR. Here's a slide deck with some sort of maybe health-related data, right. as opposed to real-time interaction around data that is enabling the customer to self-analyze and interpret where they're at with their adoption and value realization in it, and then engage with their vendor, uh, their supplier on that. I think that collaboration concept and that layer between vendor and, and customer is is going to be very exciting. Anything you you see in that area that you're excited about? Yeah, no, totally. I mean, we all of us have banged our head against the wall with a customer where it's like, okay, we can only do so much as a vendor. Like we own customer success, but if they're not doing their part, and by the way, we probably didn't have set expectations up front about what their part is. And mm-hmm. so creating this notion of a shared success plan, having it defined in the sales process, understanding what the client has to do, collaborating back and forth. Um, sharing documents, you know, all that kind of stuff. All that is to me a very important area. And actually a decent number of people are already doing that. So that, the good news is I think there's some good momentum on that, you know, of like, how do we bring the customer into customer success? Um, and, you know, in some cases you might even be, you extend that further. How do you get that customer connected with other customers, right? Mm-hmm. So that they're also kind of talking to each other. So I think over time, this kind of blending between the vendor, the customer, the community, the product, you're trying to blur all these lines together. Because you need all of that to drive success for the customer. Yep, yep. Let's uh, wrap it up there. I think that's a great jump off point. Really appreciate, again, always the insight and uh, commentary you provide, Nick. It's so valuable. Uh, for anyone listening that would love to kind of learn more and and get connected with, with yourself and or um, the mission at Gainsight, how best do they uh, find you and uh, and get connected? It's hard to, hard to not find me, but I... <laughs> Uh, you definitely uh, feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn, Nick Meta on LinkedIn, or follow me on Twitter, NR Meta on Twitter. And um, yeah, very excited. I'm just very passionate about customer success and everyone's earning the seat at the table. It's time for all of us to deliver. So great, yep. great position to be in. Yep. Okay. Appreciate it, Nick. We'll chat Thanks. soon. And that's it for another episode of the Customer Value Cast. I can't think of a domain, industry, and profession that is evolving faster than customer success. As we all look forward into 2022 and plan on where in customer success to invest our precious time, energy, and capital, you can't look past the application of AI in this space. I'm already excited by what I'm seeing from technology providers like Gainsight in this area, and there's lots more to come. Make sure you get instant access to more great insights by following and subscribing to the Customer Value Cast and checking out the resources section of www valuewise.co. Until next time, valuewise yourself and valuewise your customers.